0: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 112 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Lacey Clark in Chiang Mai. How you doing?
1: Hi, Johnny.
0: Hey, uh, so how did we meet? Just as that interesting story.
1: So we actually were connected first on Facebook, and then we were having lunch at Salad Concepts, and you walked in, and I was like, hey, can I sit down? Yeah, sit down. Why not? <laughs> so that's how we met. And
0: <clears throat> here's a little secret is I wanted to go have lunch, but I didn't want to eat alone.
1: Mm.
0: and i know that every time i go to salad concept i, I see bump into someone i know
1: <laughs> right, right right
0: so i, I almost kind of just like slowly walk through and wait for someone to be like hey johnny <laughs>
1: <laughs> but,
0: but that's what's cool about this community we have in chiang mai right
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> what do you
0: think what are your thoughts so far
1: well i mean i think that it's very small i love well first of all i love chiang mai i think chiang mai is amazing i think chiang mai is amazing it's very uh intimate and quaint, boutique-y. I like that vibe. And, um, you know, a lot of cool people have meaning meeting, and uh, a lot of knowledge being circulated around the community as well, so I love that.
0: I like it. So you're originally from Philadelphia? I am. And you're, you're an author of two books. I am. And you're trying to go from the offline world into the online world. Yes. Can, can you tell us about your books first?
1: Mm-hmm. So I have two books. My first book is called Celebrate Her Now. It's all about mentoring young women of the hip-hop generation. And the second book is called Phenomenally You, A Young Woman's Guide to Being Safe, Smart, and Successful in College. So it helps with the social and emotional transition from high school to college for young women. I like it. So the,
0: the mentoring one is uh, designed for? Adults. Adults, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I actually don't know what the hip-hop generation is. Oh, okay, yeah. you am don't. I, am, I, am I part of that? Um, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 34. Yes, you would be. Okay. You are. People always refer to it as, like, Gen Y. Yeah, yeah, Gen you know, yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah, yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hip-hop generation sounds better.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well, I mean, people, depending who you ask, but um, that's a, I wrote the book because of the climate of, of, of hip-hop and how powerful it has become globally, of course, and then how it affects young women and how mentors can help young women kind of usher into healthier ways of being. So can you give us kind of a background on how, how did
0: this generation, how did growing up during that time... Um, when hip-hop is on the rise affect young women growing up?
1: Mm, good question. So, interesting enough, so being here, you know, traveling is always an amazing thing because you get to hear how hip-hop has touched the world globally. And, you know, from my experience growing up, um, it was all about party. That there was uh, It started out as, you know, the voice of the youth, right? But then for me, because I was kind of like the... My aunt who's about 10 years older than I am she was kind of like the beginning stages of hip hop so I'm like kind of like the niece if you will or like the you know the, the, the niece of hip hop or the little cousin of hip hop if you will um, but my point is having this experience growing up it was about celebration for me but at the same time you know there were certain language and, and issues that you've seen in videos and you hear that was very disrespectful so I think that it kind of came a culture that people embrace I, I don't know if you saw um, Straight of Compton That was huge. Of course, you know, that was huge. And so, you know, you just see this whole culture kind of emerging. Some of it is, all of it's powerful, but some of it can be very damaging as well. You know, what's crazy is I I think because I grew up seeing hip-hop
0: and that kind of culture Mm -hmm. as something that's not really real to me because it didn't really affect me personally. Sure. To me, it was purely entertainment. Mm-hmm. you know it's almost mm-hmm. like when people look into the US culture mm-hmm. you know but they may, may have grew up in like Norway or something right mm-hmm. to them it's almost like it's just entertainment it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not even like a, mm-hmm. it's not reality mm-hmm. but I think when you're like growing up in it mm-hmm. It's it's completely different. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, there's certain realities. So my reality, specifically, um, I grew up in, like I said, Philadelphia. So uh, I didn't have the straight out of com- straight out of Compton experience, but it was definitely the voice of young people in our in my in my community. So it was kind of like, well, oh, what did they say, and why was it being said? And then also hearing my parents, you know, <laughs> listening to the lyrics is like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? So just just what does that represent, and how does it affect you? And I think I think that. Um, those questions, you know, don't, you said entertainment, but entertainment is definitely designed to be powerful. So how does it affect you? You know what I mean? Like, people don't think they are affected, but they are. And so having a, a degree from NYU and, like, studying film and media is really interesting to hear how all of that's strategic. Like, as an A&R person, there's a whole team of people that says, hey, we're going to approve this to be pushed to the masses, and why is that, you know? So part of that, part of my book, was really about helping mentors and people who actually work with young women to understand how to not, you know, embrace the word bitch as a reality. <laughs>
0: so what's crazy is, I never thought about it from from that point of view, mm-hmm. so I, it, it absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've only thought of it as, like, so I actually listen to, to hip-hop while I work mm-hmm. because it motivates me, it, mm-hmm. like, pumps me up, right? Mm-hmm. So I just put the lyrics for Lloyd Banks' Make Money, Mm, right, mm. you you need it go get it seven days committed you need it go get it seven days committed make money make money make money make money make money make money, make money. Mm-hmm. and that pumps me up mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. if i'm trying to you know build a business mm-hmm. i'm like yes. yeah i gotta be committed yes I of make course money i gotta hustle of i gotta course. get it mm-hmm. so it's almost like i only take the good parts of it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i'm sure that there's a lot of bad parts like I can fuck about a bitch. You ain't a care bear. <laughs> heart pumping, antifreeze. This is that stuff. Right, right, right. And I could see that not being good as a young female. Exactly right. Okay.
1: Right so you know so right so depending on perspective you know you can see you embrace what parts make sense so part of what I do as I said is I I help young women understand not just hip hop but in general the culture of media you know not only music but of course television and movies you know how does it affect you as a young woman when you see that this is what you're supposed to be as a woman and then kind of what does that mean for you if you're not that you know what I mean so all of my work has really been around empowerment in that way and so that's the first book and then the second book is again helping young women transition from high school to college because that's the Hard to transition as well. You know, a lot of young people don't know how to deal with the social scene on on, on campus in American University. So um, the book really helps young women transition in a healthy way from being a girl to like what it means to navigate the social scene and be a woman.
0: I like that. All right, let's talk about the first book first, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just guessing from, from an outside point of view, it could be completely wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But I can imagine that there's, there's some, you know, there's anger towards. Um, the skinny white bitch, like the what what they f- they represent as like the the person that kind of has that privilege that gets gets everything for free, and to to a sense it's um it's legitimate, you know, where if you just happen to be white, skinny, good looking girl, you kind of get everything kind of handed to you, you know, really. Yeah. I mean I think in the US, like, especially I pretty much in the whole world, I I think, you know, it's easier for people to get jobs, they probably get paid more. Okay. Like dating, I'm sure is probably easier. I'm sure it, like there's all these things that people kinda just get for free. You know what I mean? Um and as a minority, even me, like being Asian, like there's not in this day and age, there's not that many downsides anymore. I think you know, if someone's like Middle Eastern or someone's yeah, like another like another minority that has more things kind of going like, like more social pressures on it and mm-hmm. like more more racism, and it could be things like just even getting a job or getting to college, mm-hmm. where I don't know the statistics, but I'm assuming that you know if there was a white guy, uh, a Middle Eastern guy, and a black guy, the white guy would probably have a slightly better chance of getting that same job. Mm-hmm. Um, is is this kind of like like what you talk about in the book? or
1: No, I mean, my, my whole work is not necessarily a social uh, critique. It's more so of a personal empowerment journey. So, I mean, I would... Uh, okay, I mean, I, I, if that's what you perceive as the experience, I don't, I don't know that I can speak... So I work with all kinds of girls, not only black, but I work with black girls, Asian girls, white girls, all the above. And I see the internal workings of how a lot of young women are built. And a lot of them are very, very uh, weak and insecure. And, and even though this quote-unquote... Images placed on people—they don't necessarily feel that way about themselves. So I don't really see the kind of external world. I deal with the internal world. That's what I do. So, um, so my whole work is really about personal impairment. So, I don't really study like kind of again the social social aspects. I, I kind of go to, well, how are you personally affected by this specific thing? Okay. Um, and so I find that. People think that from an external perspective, there are these kind of huge gaps, and that privilege is definitely real. And I definitely think that there are gaps in uneven playing fields and different experiences. Um, however, when I get to personal issues and personal problems and personal experiences, a lot of things have an overlapping experience. You know, across you know across race, across age. Specifically, if you're a woman. So, so there's a lot of different things going on. Um, and so, I don't, again, that's not my, my area of expertise. My expertise You know, is I'm actually personal.
0: glad that you, you don't focus on that because mm-hmm. I think too many people focus on things that, like, I think as a, as a whole, you know, maybe it's good that some people are focusing on it because maybe there'll be some change mm-hmm. kind of down the road. Mm-hmm. But the way I always think of it is what can I do myself mm-hmm. to, to overcome that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, do I have to work a little bit harder? Mm-hmm. Do I have to be a little bit smarter? Do mm-hmm. I have to hustle a little bit more?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if so, you know, what? that's kind of the cards we were dealt. Mm-hmm. So why not do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. Like, if I think about if you if you go on YouTube and you and you you know and you Google like um, Asian guy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to see a bunch of crazy shit, mm-hmm. you know. And but I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't go out and, and try to you know find ways that society or life is putting me down Mm -hmm. I think okay what can I do myself you know Mm -hmm. and like let's say I want to date right Mm -hmm. I want to date Um, maybe Asian guys are not on the 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 top of the totem pole when it comes to like what people think of as as attractive Mm -hmm. you know like this the alpha sexual male right Mm -hmm. because you know in movies you see you know, like the stereotypical guy, right? You know
1: what's key you said? What? In movies you see. Yeah. So we're talking about media mm-hmm. and the power of media. This is the whole point of this conversation, Like right? So again, this media is a powerful thing that influences what people think. doesn't necessarily make it true, but yeah. it influences what people think.
0: And I liked how you brought up that, you know, how it affects us personally. Right. because. Right. Exactly. Part of it is you know other people see that in the movies and exactly. maybe they get that expectation, but also does it make me feel insecure right. as a kid growing up? Right. Like how come there's no you know uh, Asian male lead growing up? Mm-hmm. I mean now there's a little bit more movies, mm-hmm. um, but growing up I've never seen one. Mm-hmm. You know it was mm-hmm. it was always you know mm-hmm. a tall good looking white guy or you know maybe even a black guy, mm-hmm. but you like very seldom do mm-hmm. you see. Like the the Asian male guy as like the sex symbol, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's exactly the same for like like the black females Mm -hmm. in certain roles, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Mm -hmm. like often. You know, growing up, did you see them as a CEO? Mm-hmm. Did you see him as like the mm-hmm. president or something? So then you
1: got to go back to again. So this is so again, my world. My world is personal impairment, but with a knowledge of understanding um, some of the inner workings of media because I studied media. But again, who, where where are these ideas coming from? Who's running the ideas? You know, who's funding? The, who's greenlighting the projects that? again, create the the blueprint for what is acceptable or beautiful or whatever for the world, you know, how powerful American media is. So, So just having this understanding and this knowledge I think that we kind of look at it, like you said, just entertainment, but you'll find that, you know, people will hear certain things or see certain things and then begin to say, well, I'm not there or um, that's not relevant to me. So who am I in this story? So, again, that's the question I ask for young women. Well, who are you in in this in this climate that, that says because you might even have people who, quote unquote, are assuming to be the privilege but don't feel like it at all like I said before or who you know may have short hair and you look at the person oh, you have long, you have long hair and, and that's supposed to be beautiful but I have short like all these different things that people have on their own that are deep so again my role is to, to help young people specifically young women navigate all the things that they're consuming on a daily basis that are coming at them through advertising through um, uh, movies through music through film so Absolutely. I like that,
0: and what's nice about this day and age that we're in now is we can make our own journey. We don't have to worry. You know, we don't have to just focus on media, as in like Hollywood. We can make our own media. I mean, right now we're sitting in a coffee shop upstairs with two mics and recreating our own media. Absolutely. And this wasn't possible, right? You know, even when we were growing up. Sure. So sure. now, I mean, if, if you know, no matter what race you are, what sex you are, you sure. can make your own YouTube channel. Absolutely. And you can get a million views. Absolutely. And that's empowering, I think. I think, but then, at the same time, kind of what you are saying before, like, are are people going to have that confidence to go out and be their own hero and make their own story?
1: Mm, I love that question, and I think also too, there's some unlearning to do, <laughs> because I think you know, the, the, again, the power. The, I think it's amazingly powerful that we can create our own media, but I think at the same time, you know, there's still a lot of unlearning to do about what it has been so strongly. You know, influence is so so strongly embedded in the minds of what you think whatever, rich, successful, beautiful, amazing, whatever means. You know what I mean? And I think that as an individual, every person needs to ask themselves that question for themselves. What are those things to you? Because as you said, you know, success means a nine to five for some people. Success means, you know, being a CEO of somebody else's company, not, you know, creating your own and struggling for the first couple of years. And then create... So, it's so many things that are being redefined. And I think that's the thing about personal empowerment is you defining your experience for yourself.
0: Yeah, I like that. And... and you know, on that point, I think like, let's say with with, you know, uh, being attractive or not. Right. In my mind, I'm like, you know what? I growing up, I'm like, I was like, man, I wish I was taller. Or I wish I was this race, or I wish I was this. You know, but now I'm just like, well, you know what? Until I get in the best shape I could be in, I just need to shut shut up <laughs> because you know it, it's like me just you know hoping and dreaming for something that I mean it doesn't even matter if it if it if it, you know, if it was reality or not, mm-hmm. you know, if I, you know, if I was born a tall, you know, white guy mm-hmm. and I was still fat and out of shape, mm-hmm. that's on me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. what can I do now as being, you know, who I was born as, mm-hmm. let me just be the best version of me as possible. Period. And then that's going to be good enough. Right. And I promise, you know, right. I, I really right. believe like right. if we're the
1: best version of ourselves, period, period, that's it. That, that's period. enough. That's right. I like that. Absolutely. I one hundred percent. Because again, you I mean, you'll be swimming or drowning in, you know, self doubt, pity, hate, loathing, whatever, fill in the blank, um, self earth worth issues if you constantly compared yourself to what you felt was valuable. Mm-hmm. So I think again, personal empowerment is really about defining what is power for you. Now, again, there are a lot of factors outside that are Outside of yourself that are at play, but I don't focus on those. Mm. I focus on the individual and I help the individual understand that they do have some uh, agency in how they show up. I like that. And they have some agency, agency in how they define themselves and how they move through the world.
0: And even with making money. I mean, mm. I think, you know, when I was starting out and I would see people making, you know, let's say, $3,000 a month online, I was like, man. You know, I'm never gonna get to that point. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle. You know, and then once you get to that point, then you're like, man, you know, I'm still nothing because this other guy's making this much, and it never stops. If, it? Comp- <laughs> <laughs> if we always if always compare ourselves, it never stops. you Right, know? right. So
1: right, it's the, like a hamster wheel it keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So the best thing we can do is we can be like, all right, let's let, let's improve. You know, and uh, but for ourselves, but also at the same time, accept who we are today. Mm-hmm. And, and be happy and mm-hmm. be you know confident today. Mm-hmm. Because if you're always I think it's also bad if people if people never strive to improve themselves and they're just like, no, nah, people should just accept me, you know, I just wanna be lazy, mm-hmm. you know, I want I wanna be, you know, who I am, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna be the best version of me, mm-hmm. that's also bad, right? Mm-hmm. But then if you you know you're constantly trying to be the best version of you, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I think people would be surprised how amazing their life would be Mm -hmm. if they were just the best
1: version of themselves. Agreed 100%. I agree 100%. I think that, I mean, because at the end of the day, I don't know. I think uh, there's a certain freedom, you know, a freedom in defining who you are and what you think you're, your level of success is. And I definitely think it's powerful to have people who are ahead of you to inspire you to say, well, I want to be that. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that it really is an inner peace that it stems from as opposed to I'm, I'll never be enough because something always outside of me is going to be better than me. And I have to constantly compete against that or anything else. So my thing is, you know, let's get centered first. Let's get to a place where we understand, first of all, you know, how we, who we are. I mean, that's a constant question we're always asking. But who we are, and then, then how do we evolve from that place and become more and more the best version of ourselves? If that means that, you know, you are making a million dollars a month, then great. If that means $5,000 a month and that's all you need to sustain yourself and feel good, then great. Or whatever that thing is. So I think um, that's, what I, that's what I really want young women to understand is, is specifically young women, because I think, you know, again, if we're living in a, a male-dominated experience, again, that's another thing that's outside of ourselves that says these are certain things that women need to do and be and all the above. Um, how do you define yourself for yourself as a young woman?
0: So I have this theory. I don't know if it's true at all. This is just my, my personal theory, mm-hmm. right? I almost feel like for, I don't know, I think at least for, let's say, let's say we're just with dating, right? We're like nothing, nothing really else, that, like, women will have, their dating life a bit easier between certain ages. So like mm. between, I don't, I don't know, let's say 16 to 30, right? Mm-hmm. That it's almost like in the woman's court mm-hmm. where this guy's chasing, the mm-hmm. guy's kind of trying to do everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And then at some point it kind of switches again. Mm-hmm. Where Actually, no, I think even before that, from like when we were like really young, you know, like let's say we were in elementary school, it's like the guys, we have the ball in our court where like girls want to date, they want a boyfriend when they're like sixth grade or something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And the guys were completely were not interested, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think when we hit puberty then then in, it changes, mm-hmm. then we start chasing mm-hmm. you know, but then at that time, the girls are like, "Well, now I got the choice um, and then at a certain point, let's say like in your thirties or your forties or whatever mm-hmm. uh, then its almost switches back again, mm-hmm. where the men you know maybe that's when they're kind of more established, they know who they are, mm-hmm. maybe they're more successful already mm-hmm. uh, and then it's like it switches back again. Mm-hmm. Then we have the we have the the kind of the advantage again. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> you asking me a social question again. <laughs> it's not really my lane, but if I could offer an opinion on that, um, I mean, it uh, there definitely social cues and definitely social norms. Um, I think chemically there's a lot I mean different ages things are going on with men and then different ages that things are going on with women se- women's sexual peak 30 men are testosterone they're younger I mean so, so it's so many different things happening and it's so funny because it's like at different times at different, <laughs> you know what I mean it's not it's never equal right it's like you know men and their testosterone it happens in their early teens and then women and their sexual drive happens in that th- so it's like it's, wow we're at different, different places so um, I can see that there's some truth in, to, in that in terms of the phases of of uh, mating if you will and how that's relevant to relationships i can i can hear that
0: okay so
1: you know like
0: we so we literally just met like an hour ago so i haven't had time to read your books obviously mm-hmm. can, can you give us just kind of a, like a synopsis on on this first one first like what mm-hmm. what are some kind of takeaways
1: from it the first one is the, the celebrate her now book
0: the uh, hip hop generation one yeah right? that's
1: celebrate her now um, so basically, it really was a it was a workbook workbook slash journal. So it's actually interactive, and it supports women and really women again who who work with young women to think about how they can be an advocate. You know. But first, the, as, it, as it always starts, it's about self. So how can you center yourself as a woman to be able to help another young woman? Because a lot of times when you deal with young people, you um, you, you are, you know, awakened in your own youth experience. Like, oh, man, like, I didn't think about that. You know, when I was 15, I thought this too. Or So just really kind of thinking about how you can be... Um, the best mentor possible to be able to help young people. So that's the first book. Um, And that's, again, it's interactive. It's it's a workbook slash journal, so I'm asking questions. I'm engaging with folks. Um, and I'm having conversations. Can we have like, an example of like one of the questions that, that you ask? So I talk about um, creating a sanctuary. So I think it's really important that you know, women create a space that feels safe for them or feels cool for them or feels good for them. Um, and so I talk about you know, creating your own personal space that feels good to you. So whether that's like a space in your house or a space in the corner of your bedroom or whatever that thing is, then doing that. And then I think from that place, it's kind of a place you go to to feel calm. So whether you pray or meditate or do any of those things, um, you can create that experience in that safe sanctuary space, wherever that is. And so when you have that as a woman or a mentor, et cetera, then you can easily kind of come from that space and help other people energetically. And you're not, you know, chaotic (laughs) or just reaching, You, you know, you have a center, you have a center. So that's kind of one of the things I talk about and celebrate her now. And I also talk about, you know, um, body image. Because a lot of women, no matter what you think their bodies are, they always have issues with their bodies. Because, again, from media, it tells you it has to be a perfect size. And, of course, you know the magazines and the images that say it has to look like this and be like this. So have you accepted your own body, I think, first and foremost? And, you know, just in exploring that with a lot of women and, and young women, a lot of women just have a lot of pain around that. A lot, of, a lot of self-loathing around, no matter what you think their body looks like. You know what I mean? Um, and it's really unfortunate because, again, all of these messages and social cues saying it has to look like this and even in their mind, it doesn't. It never does.
0: <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> then, that's such like a slippery slope question or topic because, like, on, on one hand, like, you're 100% correct where in a magazine that... It's not even reality because right, there's there's photoshop, right. there's um you know, the lighting, the photography, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't even really realize this, but a lot of times before a photo shoot, people will, you know, basically cut water weight and not eat for a few days mm-hmm. to get that shredded look, you mm-hmm. know, to get, you know, that perfect look. Mm-hmm. And the top of that you have the photoshopping of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when people try to strive for that, mm-hmm. now, you know, it's it's impossible even for that person in the in the in the photo mm-hmm. but also that's not us, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not that dude in that in that in that mm-hmm. photo. You mm-hmm. know, you're not that girl mm-hmm. in that photo. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just physically impossible for us to look exactly like them, mm-hmm. you know. But the, the other flip side of it is kind of like, well, am I the best version, version of, of me son. that right. I can be? Right. You know, and it's hard because I grew up. I always I was always chubby growing up. Mm-hmm. And what's actually funny is if you saw me. Seven days ago, just mm-hmm. a week ago, mm-hmm. I was actually, like, five or ten pounds more than I am now. Wow. Because I had just got back from Taiwan, and I was eating a bunch of good food, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pancakes yeah. every morning, you know, <laughs> yeah. bread, and all that stuff. Yeah. And I felt so bad. I felt so sluggish. Mm-hmm. I was, like, I was uh, tired every afternoon. Mm-hmm. I looked in the mirror. and I was like, man, I'm, I feel so out of shape. I feel mm-hmm. so ugly, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And I had just come back to Chiang Mai, and I was like, you know what? Like, should I get, you know... I was like, you know, I need to do something, you know? So I was like, let me let me just cut out all the bad stuff. Let me cut out all the sugar. Let me cut out all the bread. And then let me actually just, just force myself to go to the gym. Even if I'm tired, I'm just going to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And literally within a week, I, sh- I lost like five pounds of, you know, inflammation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, it's not like I lost five pounds of fat real quick. Mm-hmm. But now I feel better, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm st- You know, I-, I just like, I have more energy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel more confident again. Mm-hmm. And it's like what can you know but i growing up mm-hmm. it was hard because i didn't know how to even eat healthy because mm-hmm. there's so much misinformation out there mm-hmm. you know like mcdonald's is so mm-hmm. easy to get to mm-hmm. so you know is drinking diet soda better for you mm-hmm. you, know, or mm-hmm. you know is it not you know is 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 having margarine healthier mm-hmm. than having butter mm-hmm. you know all this <laughs> like we right. don't you know like there's so much misinformation out there sure you know so hard and it wasn't until you know pretty recently and I think even now, it still drives me crazy thinking that, that there's all this information in the world. There's all these podcasts, all these books that you can find out what actually is healthy mm-hmm. and people still don't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that is? Like, There's so much like good information out there now. It, like, it almost feels like people still don't take it to become the best version of themselves. Do you think it's that security where they think that even if they try, it'll never happen? Or do you think because we feel like crap, We don't even want to get started. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is?
1: I mean, a lot of it, you know, let me just clarify something and I want to answer that question. Um, When I was speaking to body image, I was more so speaking about, you know, how young people may think, oh, my knees are too knobby or like, you know, no matter what, my shoulders are too broad, like that kind of thing, like things that you can't change. Um, So it's kind of like the self-acceptance around that. But to answer your question, I think conditioning (laughs) You know, it's conditioning. It's like you specifically talking about American culture. Like, I mean, that's a whole other thing because everywhere you turn, here we go again with the media. It's like fast food this, fast food that. So it's this, you know, conditioning, not having information. And I think that you have to be very diligent about going out to find healthier stuff. That that's not even though it's online, you still have to dig for it. Like you know, what am I looking for exactly? You know what I mean? And is this information right? And there's so much information. I'm not, I've heard 40 podcasts and watched 40 YouTube videos, but is that what am I really supposed to be doing? You know what I mean? So I think it, I think at the end of the day, it's so many options that people get overwhelmed. But also, the dominant voice is one that you consume on a on a daily basis, and the daily basis, uh, the voices you know go to McDonald's. You know, get this, I don't know, new process something. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like,
0: do you think that when we're like, let's say we're going through like 40 different books, right? Do you think that like part of it is we are just trying to find that secret, you Mm, know, easy, yeah, (laughs) that easy solution that we're just not willing to accept the fact that every diet just means like, you know, cut out crap, Mm -hmm. you know, exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Uh, or you know, just like with making money online, right? It's the same thing where people that complain about how it doesn't work usually they're the ones that like they're like, man, I went through forty different courses and none of this works. It's all you know, it's all BS. But at the same time, I know for me, I was always looking for that shortcut, like that mm. that secret bullet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure thinking back, there's been a lot of people who have said to me like, hey, you should do this. Mm, great point. And in my mind, it's like, no, nah, that's too
1: difficult. Right. I don't want to do it. I hear that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a reality, right? Because I think that, yeah, I mean, everybody wants a shortcut. And if you're about, again, American culture is like, give me the pill. You know, I have a pain right now. Give me the pill right now. That's going to fix this pain right now. You know what I mean? So in terms of like the slow build or the slow grind or the slow whatever, it's like, no, no one wants slow. Fast internet, like I <laughs> do, fast, 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 fast. So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I can hear that. I hear that that reality is 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 true. That people just want something quick to kind of get to the point. And maybe some folks can have found something that's quicker than the others. And so you're looking for the quickest. And then by the time you look for the quickest, you've already spent three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking for the quickest.
0: Yeah, actually, I just uh, I was talking to this this girl today that, that I I. So I, I met her in Chiang Mai at least two and a half months ago mm-hmm. and I, I, I was like, oh, you know, what, what have you been up to? You know, how's your how's your how's your business doing? And she's like, oh, I haven't started yet. I'm mm-hmm. like, what have you been doing for the last two and a half months while you've been here? <laughs> and I think that that's what she said. She was like, no, I was like researching I was doing stuff. I was like, man, you should have just done something, you know, like <laughs> right. anything. Right. Uh, but right. it, it, uh, it's, and
1: decisions so making decisions is another piece too it's yeah. like what decisions are you going to make it's like again you have so many options and you may be overwhelmed with so much stuff to do it's like well what do I decide to do you know what I mean what is the best step and it's like sometimes you just don't know because it's so much information I was having this conversation the other day uh, with another person about how there's a prerequisite I think that needs to come with you know anything whether it's digital nomadism or whatever the case may be which is you know one are you really up for an entrepreneurial journey, which is a whole other conversation than the technical information you're gonna to get to learn how to do a certain thing. You know what I mean? Because you have a certain mindset of do you know how to wake up on your own and be create a schedule on your own and actually pay your own like you know what I mean? All these things that I don't think people coming from, you know, a different kind of culture, nine to five culture, an employee culture understand.
0: I also think that like part of it is our upbringing where I've had friends who they grew up where their parents said, you're the best, you can do anything, you know, they see it in the media, they see their uncles, they're, they're successful, they had someone in the family, they're like, you know, you can do anything, you know, you're going to be the best, and they believe it, so they become successful, and then there's people that grow up where the media, society, our parents, our, you know, close family, our teachers, they're like, you know, they're like, oh, that's not for you, that's not an option, it's too hard, it's, you know, it's not going to work. And it's it's a it's a struggle mm-hmm. to, to convince ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. Then as adults. You, but
1: then you also have people who use that as fuel too, mm-hmm. you know, who, who who use who use abuse or the things that they've heard. Oh, you're not going to be. You're not. You're not. You're not. To I am. I am. I am. I'm going to be. You know. So it can be. A f- I'm going to show you. Yeah, I'm going to show you exactly. I like that. I like that mentality a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, you can have both sides of that. But I would say more so than not, then when you hear the negative voices, they could they could be hard to overcome. And I think it takes an extraordinary person to overcome a lot of negativity.
0: What do you think the the best way? Or what are some tips on how to overcome
1: that? The negative voices. Yep. I think in, you got to reprogram and learn. You know what I mean. So you have, and that's that's a difficult thing if you've been hearing negativity again, all of your life. So it's unlearning and reprogramming. I would definitely think you have to replace that. It's almost like you said the same thing with food. You have to replace what you think in a negative way with something positive. So you know, I, I hate myself, or I'm not. I don't know, successful enough, I'm not good enough, to I, I am valuable, I have something to offer. You know what I mean? So like switching the whole negative mindset to something that's positive, And you have to br- almost reprogram your brain to embrace the new reality that you want to create for yourself. So I definitely think that, you know, it's possible, but it's, it's, it's very difficult, specifically if you've, you know, been given that negative food all your life, you know what I'm saying? But it, people have overcome it. I think it's an extraordinary thing, though. I don't think that it's like, I don't think the average person is able to access that because I feel like it's it's, it's a lot. To, it's like climbing up, you know, Mount Everest with your fingernails. <laughs> you know, it's a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I
0: agree. It's definitely a lot, but it's worth it, right? Yeah, of course. And I think it's one it. of those things where people, if they can at least admit that to themselves... That's the first step it's, it's worth it absolutely yeah, and it's hundred percent possible too absolutely you know? so um, I'm curious so for the, for the for the book, the first one I saw was published in two thousand six it's, it's been a while, a while. yeah All right. How, so where do you normally where do you sell that book
1: um so I, so I actually sell the book online, and like so part of what I was sharing with you is that my intention is probably is now to shift that content to online content, so it was actually a physical, you know, physical book offline, selling it to organizations, selling it online, um, book signings, etc. And then now my thing is okay, the content in this book because it's a workbook and it's interactive can totally be a course. So that's my intention. Is I like I'll that. It I, that's a it's good
0: idea. So uh, back in 2006, right? Or well, I guess it's a long time. yeah. Or, or I guess since then, like, is, is, has this been your like? a full-time living for just yeah. doing this? Wow. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: so so, so that this book and the other book, so I, so I do presentations, I speak, I do seminars, I do workshops, um, again, primarily offline, and then I would sell the book in, in mass and bulk and all the above to organizations and things of that sort. So um, the second book, the Phenomenal You book, again, is for college girls going to school, so of course that market is huge, and I sell it to organizations and colleges. So they buy it in bulk, um, you know, a thousand at a time, 500 oh, at a time. that's crazy. Like that. Yeah, Cause, yeah.
0: Because I was just looking at your... On Amazon, and it looks like celebrate her now. There's like there's it looks like there's zero reviews. No one's buying it. No, not that one. No, but offline. Offline. How many have you sold? Uh, about three thousand. That's so crazy that like mm. it's like pretty much the exact opposite of um, of where I'm at with my books. I have two books out too, okay. and I've only sold them online. Yeah, and I would love to you know give talks. You know to organizations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sell something in mm-hmm. bulk. Mm-hmm. How did you get started with that?
1: So um, I started I used to do presentations. Um, I started out again in Philadelphia, and then obviously built a network out of people offline from organization through organizations. So work with like you know, Boys and Girls Club. Work with high schools. Work with colleges, and a lot of that was again physically physically connecting with people in marketing, and then also people seeing me do the work, and then wanting you know me to come in and do some work um, at their organization. So this is kind of like before. Well, the internet was kind of hot then, but I just was not internet savvy at all. So it was just kind of like the old school way of marketing and let people know what you're what you're about. And um, and so I think because and then relationships, same thing. And you know, everything's about relationships. I think it's a little different online, but offline, it was about relationships and knowing people and um, having a need that need to be filled within organizations and then then calling me in to do so. And then um, same thing with with again the second book, Phenomenal you um, again learning to be more online, but again, offline, it was all about, you know, calling individuals, calling high schools, calling people and say, hey, I have a book that will really support your young women. Can you purchase, you know purchase it for your school? And then thousands of copies, 100 copies, 50 copies, 500 copies, here, like that.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And, and was this uh, self-published? or yes, did you self-published. So let's say a school says they want 500 copies. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you actually get them... How does that work?
1: So, um, some of it may be um, so it could be organization. So let's say um, let's say for instance, a Girls Inc. and then they have they have not been a client, but for example, um, of course they have a million not a million but a lot of girls they serve, and so they might want to address life skills as a they have a curriculum, but they might want to address life skills or have some resources available for life skills as young women transition from you know through high school, and so they'll actually say you know what we want to actually service this corridor, it can be the whole northeast corridor, or it can be Uh, New York, or it can be You know, uh, a city. So whatever the case is, they'll basically kind of purchase it for that organization for the girls that they actually serve. Some of them keep the book and they try to like read it at the organization, or some of them give it to them and so they can actually have it themselves. Um, One of my clients actually buys the book every single year for their senior girls, so it's something that they give them as they walk away to go to school. So that kind of.
0: I like that. And so, like, walk me through the the actual fulfillment process. Are you like who's publishing it? How do you how how do you set all that up?
1: Um, so it's self-published. So basically, I get it printed. Um, I have a printer that I use. So basically, uh, you know, the book's already laid out. It's available on Amazon also. Okay. But it's already laid out so therefore, I just send the PDF file and all the above to the print.
0: So now I know there's like Lulu and all mm-hmm. these places online mm-hmm. but when you're starting out, uh, it, was it like a local printer that you just like walk into? Or oh, how online.
1: Or... It's online. Um, I found the printer online. Um, my printer is 24-hour it's 25-hour books? I think it's 25-hour books. Okay. And so basically you just send them the, the file, and then they print the books up for you. They can actually print them up where you have them send it to you, or they can actually send it to your client. So you don't have to actually ever see your book.
0: So it's like dropshipping your book. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's nice. So that mm-hmm. So that So that part of it is ready online. Mm-hmm. So you can technically you know travel, mm-hmm. uh, be here, sell books still. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the actual, like, the offline part of it. If, if, like, how do the talks work?
1: Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes they want, the t- they want a, a presence with the book, or they want um, their young people to be motivated. <laughs> and so uh, I wouldn't motivate. So, so for the most part, they buy the book before I come. And I like when they buy the book before I come, because then they can have something to really like ask me questions about. We can kind of really chew on it a little deeper, as opposed to me just coming and doing a book signing. At the, I, don't, I don't like that that much. But long story short, they want someone to motivate them or talk about a specific topic, and specifically the one that I'm working on right now, which is the one Phenomenally You, uh, the, the college girls, is really about their transition. You know what I mean? Because some people are very naive to what they're going to experience when they go to school. It's like, you know, they're very smart, but they're not socially...
0: Um, prepared. So, what are some of the struggles that, that young girls have going from high school to college?
1: A lot of them. <laughs> um, well, one, you know, one, they're leaving home and they're leaving the network and the support system of people that have been available to them. And then this is their first time that they are learning how to navigate their world on their own. Um, I think bus- both for both male and female. But I think we're young women because they're looking for, again, acceptance. You know, am I attractive here? Am I. <laughs> valuable here like maybe i was in high school well, maybe i wasn't Or well, maybe i want to be i wasn't in high school but i want to reinvent myself and i want to be whatever the case may be so i think that huge transition is uh is really about who i become in a new environment where no one knows me or very little people know me and what kind of values do i have in that experience
0: i never even thought about that i think when i went to college for my first time. So I went to uh, City College first. So it's that two-year
1: mm-hmm.
0: university, not university, college, yeah, I guess. And for for people that aren't from the U.S., so basically what we have is we have high school, mm-hmm. you know, when we're like 14 to 18, mm-hmm. and then we can either go to straight to a four-year university, mm-hmm. or if we don't know what we're doing yet, or if we're trying to save money, mm-hmm. we can go to a two-year community college, mm-hmm. which is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I did that because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And if it if it wasn't for a friend that somehow just randomly, you know, without telling me, he's like, you know, we used to just hang out every day. We used, mm-hmm. to, we used to only go to school so we can meet up to mm-hmm. go hang out. Mm-hmm. And then one day he's like, man, I, you know, I got to UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, you, you're leaving San Francisco? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, man, what should I do? And I was, <laughs> I was lost because I never even thought about what to do. But. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go to UCLA too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I realized I didn't have the grades to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but if it wasn't for that
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I don't i was so lost mm-hmm. and i actually think mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm still going to yeah i'll probably still do it I, but um i was like you know what i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to be super successful in business mm-hmm. and then when i'm retired i'm going to go back and teach community college mm-hmm. or be a counselor or something because mm-hmm. those were like those years mm-hmm. where Very i was critical. oh man i was so Very i didn't know what i was doing yeah. and i was so lost cuz i'm yeah. like 18 yeah. so i'm technically an adult yeah but if you're at a community college, chances are you, you like you're you're
1: effed. You know you don't you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I don't want to say they're effed, <laughs> but I feel you. I mean, I, I hear what I hear you saying is that for the most part, there is like right I mean, there are millions of males and females. But again, I focus on young women, but millions of males and females who are lost. And there, a lot of them are just, I'm just doing this because this is what you're supposed to do. You know, I leave, if I'm supposed to be successful, I'm supposed to leave high school and then go to college and then study something and then come out and then have, a, again, success. What does success mean to you? So that's the script that people are given. That's what people kind of follow, but then they don't really know who they are still. They're still finding out. And then you have a lot of people who are just kind of questioning and who are lost in the same place together <laughs> with alcohol and drugs. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's- <laughs> yeah, it's
0: insane. And we're like, we have all this freedom all of a sudden. All this
1: freedom, all this time. You know, it's just a lot going on. So I think it really is neglect that they don't prepare young people, socially and emotionally, to really kind of think about this journey. It's like, they just throw them out there. And this is why I believe there's so much happening on college campuses now, is because there is a lack of preparation. And... um Of really kind of preparing young people to understand, well, where are you going? Who are you? What do you really want? Because people come out of college and they're still lost.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like the whole point of college is trying to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're just drinking every night, Mm -hmm. you know, partying, trying to get laid. Like, it's... I don't... Yeah, I, I wasn't there to... To fig- I wasn't even trying to figure out who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any guidance. Mm-hmm. You know, it was my first time living alone, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was exactly like that. I was mm-hmm. getting like thrown into the to the deep end, mm-hmm. and I was so mm-hmm. easily you know yep. manipulated or susceptible yes. to things.
1: Yep, absolutely. So you so again, here we go again. It's a male and female issue, but again, I focus on young women. But right, so you deal with these very green and vulnerable young people who are still developing, their brain is still developing, so it's not fully, fully, fully developed yet. You know what I mean? And again, you're going into this environment, it's like, well, wow. So this is why the mix, I think, is very dangerous and you find that their sexual, sexual assault stats are what they are today. Um, and the violence on campus is what it is today is because I think there's so much going on that hasn't been addressed before they got there.
0: That's crazy. So what are, what are some of the tips that you give in the book to kind of help people through that?
1: So I have eight S's that we deal with with Phenomenally You, and each uh, S is, is part of the blueprint to kind of help them navigate the world. So talk about social media. So that's a huge thing, as you know, a huge thing right now with young people and cyberbullying and... Um, internet shaming and all kinds of negativity that is happening online that is affecting how they're perceived on college campuses. A lot of people can drop out by one experience happening, happening in college and then something on video, something on a picture, something happening and then they actually drop out or want to commit suicide. And this happens every day. You know what I mean? So um, that's just one thing I deal with. So one of the tips I talk about social media is that social media can make or break you, right? So you can use it for good or you can use it for your downfall. And are you mindful of your own image, but also are you mindful of what people are creating um, creating of you while you're on campus? So that's one of the S's, social media. You know,
0: I just thought of an example of that is for every – so a lot of girls, you know, or, or – yeah, I guess probably many girls. A lot of girls who see like Kim Kardashian, right? Exactly. They're like, she got famous because she made that sex tape, Absolutely. through social media. Mm-hmm. And some girls might be thinking, "Well, I should do that yep. so I can get famous." Yeah. But I, I want people to realize that for, ev- for there's pretty much only one. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Absolutely. But I bet you there's hundreds if not thousands of girls millions who, millions of girls <laughs> who effed up their life mm-hmm. you know getting you know putting stuff like that on social media having that come out Absolutely. and Absolutely. you know they didn't become famous they didn't become rich Absolutely, they just became depressed mm-hmm. you know unfortunately I'm sure some of them committed suicide sure. some of them just like Completely sure. cut themselves out of reality, you know, off of sure. offline because it was just too much to handle. Absolutely,
1: one hundred percent. So that's one of the things I talk about in the in the book, and that's the S for social media because it really is about thinking about how this fits into your whole success plan. Because at the end of the day, if you have a vision to be something that you want to be, and then you're kind of being distracted by social media, whether you're putting an image on there or someone's putting an image on there of you that you don't know about, you can be very damaged. You know what I mean, personally and also professionally. So um, that's one of the S's. So the tip basically uh, about uh, social media is to understand that it could actually make or break you. You could actually, you know, grow and create an online profile, a LinkedIn profile and really shine and really look like a professional young person. Um, or you can really be on Instagram and do an Instagram contest and people find out who you are on Instagram and like now no one wants to work with you because your image is tarnished online. You know what I mean? So it's, these things have to be, like, really, really looked at. Seriously, I don't think that, because people are, these young people are digital natives, they don't think about the implications and how they actually have, you know, global implications. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. I, Forever. It's, it's crazy. And you know what? It is crazy. I, I'm
0: actually thinking, like, our generation, when we when, when we want to run for government office, it's going to be completely different. Absolutely. You know, because I'm sure all the presidents, they've had stuff that they wouldn't, you know, they did when they were in, 20, in their 20s in college that they don't want anyone to see but now there's a paper trail of all that mm-hmm. so it's completely different
1: and you know of course you know every, nothing is nothing uh, goes away so it's everyone you know there's people who actually are hired to take what do they call it a uh, screenshots of all the celebrities of tweets tweets yeah just all in the, case right <laughs> That's crazy, but you know what? at the same time, for, for young people too, but
0: as like a digital nomad or someone you know someone who looks for kind of online business, it can make or break us, right? Mm-hmm. but I think it's it's good that you are you're letting people know that you know so they really have to think hard they're like, is this something that I want to make me do mm-hmm. I, I want to go through it and if they, and if you do go through it the the steps are all the same at mm-hmm. first, nobody knows who you are, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But once you get successful, mm-hmm. you, everyone's gonna tear you apart. There's gonna mm-hmm. be haters, mm-hmm. but that's kind of like that part that you, that hard part you got to get through mm-hmm. to get to that success. Mm-hmm. And most people, they just get dragged down mm-hmm. into the into the pits of mm-hmm. you know the trolls. Mm-hmm. And not only do they knock out the success from it, mm-hmm. but it also messes them up. Mm-hmm. So, great point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's, that, wow, yeah. Okay. So, so, social media is one of them. So, we have success. Okay. So, success is really about defining success for yourself. Again, mm-hmm. so S. Um, it's all about well, what, what, what do you think is success for you? Again, we've been conditioned to think it's college, it's white picket fence, it's dog, house, car, whatever. But people are creating new realities. So, it's really about what is success for you, and also are you in integrity with yourself about success? So that's what as the second um, as successful. W- w- what do you
0: mean by the integrity of yourself?
1: It, are you in te- are, are you in integrity with yourself? So again, a lot of times people will tell you that the script is do these things, right? You go to school, and specifically with some some parents, they want you to actually get a certain degree so they can look good, you know, for their whole. Oh, my daughter is doing this, and my son's doing this. So it's all about the parents, not about the child. And I think at some point the young person needs to ask themselves, well, what does make sense for them? What do they want to experience? Um, and so the. the success is really about helping young people understand well who am I and what do I really want for myself so that's like the that. success okay. that's the integrity with yourself like are that. you in alignment with what you really want as opposed to and that, that can take time but mm. start asking that question I like that because again at the end of the day you may be again some people 45 years old still have next themselves that question who, who am I and what do I really want you know what I mean I like it so um, that's success. What's next? Oh, so we have um, self-respect. So self-respect is all about understanding, well, how are you going to navigate your world once you get there? So, you know, are you a 24-hour party person? Or are you an alcohol- alcoholic or not? Or Do you want to drink? Do you want to have sex? Do you want to have sex with many partners? Not at all. Like, what what do you want for yourself from a self-respect uh, standpoint? Because I think that people haven't thought about that. They just get there and like, oh, okay. <laughs> happen upon it. Oh, we're in... A group sex environment, what do we do now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, do you want that? And if you do, that's cool. But at the end of the day, like, no, it's for you or mm-hmm. not, right? But, so I think the point is really asking yourself what experience do you want to have and then not um, just kind of going with the flow because it's what everybody else is doing.
0: Or because you think that's going to make them like you more. Right. But, yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, like
0: I, I, I like, I have no qualms about someone who they want to have a lot of sexual partners because that's what they enjoy. Right. But what makes me, you know, what's really bad is when they're doing it to try to get people to like them or, you know, because, you know, a, a peer pressure, whatever that is. Right, exactly All right. right. Like that. So, right.
1: And, and I think a lot of young women go through that a lot, specifically wanting to get some back, um, brownie points for being the whatever chick on campus, mm-hmm. right? So I think that um, it's important that, that young women ask themselves before they go into these environments. So they, when they're there, it's like, oh, I thought about this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't want to do it or I do want to do it or yeah. whatever. Because,
0: you know, at the same time, like, if I met a girl, let's say I was in college and I met a girl who's like, she, she's like, I enjoy sex. I like having sex with a lot of people. That's just who I am. I have no shame in it. I'm like, cool. You know, I respect that. I like that. But at the same time, you know, if someone, you know, that they're doing it just because they want attention right. and they don't know how, how else to get attention. Right. But then they're going home sad or depressed, right. you know, right. you know. Right. Then that's terrible. It's horrible. Yeah. It's
1: horrible because I mean, I, you know, I think as a, another human being, do you want to be in that vibration with somebody else? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's just not a healthy experience. So that's self-respect. So asking okay. those questions about self, where you know, how do you see yourself in terms of that? Then there's sex. So we have sex talking about, again, you know, do you want to have sex in the context of a relationship, or do you, you know, is random sex okay for you? Um, you know, where, what do you think about when you think about sex? Um, so like really kind of asking those questions to yourself before you go there. Some women may go into college and they may be virgins. Some of them may not be. You know, is this something that you want to do? Do you want to lose your virginity while you're in school? Do you not? Um, with whom? You know, have you thought about? Pregnancy, like if you got there and you got pregnant, what? Like, all, think about it. Go into the whole like think it all through kind of vibe. I think again, once they young people are are not taught to think about these things before they go in, they just there and it's like, oh my god, I'm here. And they just um, blindly
0: go through it. Yeah, exactly.
1: That makes sense. So that's so that's sex. So
0: one of the reasons why I'm so glad I'm not in college now. I'm not growing up this generation. It's it's there's a lot of like confusion out there now. Like um, I don't know if you heard about this on college campuses. They put a rule out now, a law now, that if you are having, if you drink any alcohol and then you have sex, it's rape.
1: Oh, I have heard. you heard about that? No, I haven't. I need to be aware of that. No, I have not.
0: It's crazy. Like it, it sounds so ridiculous from our point of view, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think I understand why they made the law. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't want people um, force feeding someone alcohol and mm-hmm. then taking advantage of them. Which you know, happens often, with, yeah, without yeah. their consent. Sure. You know? But at the same time, you know, if you're, you know, that's college life. If you're both let's say you both have two drinks and then you have sex is one person raping the other you know
1: well i think the issue is that so a lot, so again, the the, the amount of freshmen, the, the sexual assault that happens is actually with freshmen young women. That's, that's basically where the, the majority of the, the assaults happen on freshmen young women. And that's a reason for that. Why? Because she's young and she's vulnerable. So it's not, and not to say that older girls don't get sexually assaulted, but or older uh, students, but for the most part, freshmen are targeted because they're young and they're green. So I think that uh older person who normally is, you know, quote unquote, on the prowl, or on the prey, to actually want to uh, attack a young woman understands how much they drink and what their drink might do to them. They might just have one drink and know that I can still kind of have my bearings, knowing that if I get this other person with five drinks, they're going to be way more out of out of control than 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 I would be. And in the same time, where so so I think it's really dangerous. I think that 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 uh, that's ridiculous in terms of. You know, alcohol and drink as a whole, other yeah. conversation. But I think, At the same time,
0: I understand exactly what you're saying, I, and I agree with that. Is like, you know, if someone, you know, if someone's like, yeah, you know, like, especially if someone's older and, and they kind of know better, you know, right. let's say someone's a senior or something, right. And, right? and they're just like, yeah, I'm gonna take advantage of this girl. I'm right. just gonna get her drunk because she doesn't know any better. She right. maybe she's like from some small town, never drank before. Right. All of a sudden, you know, uh, let's do let's do shots of uh, right. 151, whatever right. it is, right? right yeah but it's confusing time but you know I think you know what you're what you're saying and what your book says It. It's completely right where you, just have to be, you have to ask yourself these questions before you get, get in that in. situation. Right,
1: right. Because, again, the girl is going, every single year, it happens every single year, like, the girl is going in, and, again, I deal with young women, so uh, it's going in saying, well, you know, hey, he's cute, or, hey, I want to be involved, I want to be the incredible I don't want to be, like, on the outskirts, really, like, the lame person and not involving, or I me mean, enjoying my college experience, so I'm going to get in. And then getting in sometimes is unfortunate, you know, and so it's, it can be very unhealthy. So the point is... Well, what kind of culture do you want to create? And if you are really, I had a person who told me, one of my students told me that she didn't want to drink, but because everybody else was doing it, then I had to do it. So now I'm in the culture. So you know what I mean? But what's my alternative? So then maybe we should create some alternatives. You know what I mean? That's my point. So I don't think there are many options for people who aren't leaders You know, because this person may not have been a leader to say, okay, I'm going to create this kind of culture. She's just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go along with everyone else because this is what everyone else is doing. I don't want to sit on the sidelines looking like a lame. Yeah.
0: Well, even, I mean, even when I was uh, like five years ago, right, when I was, I took a year off dating because I was working on myself. You know, I'm trying to, you know, try to be the best version of myself. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) Ever since I was 13, I've been chasing, you know, chasing girls. That's been clouding my, clouding my, uh. My my brain, right? Mm-hmm. Let me take a year completely off of dating, let me just working my working my my fitness, let me work on my my business, and all that. So when I was ready to date again, I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it without alcohol because I I haven't been drinking because you know for fitness reasons, for health reasons. I was like, well, you know, but it was so awkward dating without the alcohol mm. because I think up until that point that that just. The, the common thing right you go out mm-hmm. for drinks mm-hmm. or like you know you go back to your place and you have a, you have a drink or something mm-hmm. right and you know it might just be like a one glass of wine or something mm-hmm. but it's almost like for most people I would say like they, they almost kind of like they don't have that half a glass of wine they w- almost won't have sex for the first time because mm. it's I don't want to say it's Crush. awkward but okay. it's that crutch, right? Mm-hmm. It makes them, it gives them like that, you know, they're like, oh, they have that excuse. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you know, we're hanging out. We yeah. had some wine and then right. we ended up hooking up. <laughs> right, right, and it was difficult to like not right. do that, right, not right, have right. that crutch, be completely sober, but like, right. so, uh, yeah, you want to have sex now? Right, <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs>
0: but <laughs> I was, luckily I was mature enough, I was confident enough where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sacrifice my, my values for, sure. for my health and my fitness. Sure. Just to have sex so let me do it this weird unconventional way and it was awkward but at the same time I was like you know what this is me paving a new reality for myself you know but I think when you're when we're in in college it's hard right right right
1: right Right. because again your brain is still developing so not only are you dealing with your own I mean you you are you know well into your adulthood with this conversation with yourself but I think you know with a young person your brain is still developing, so you don't really have again the, the wherewithal to really think about the whole entire scene. You're in the moment, you know what I mean. So it's like, how do I that, see the whole scene before I go into the scene? And that's the whole thing that needs to be preparation. I think that that I think it can really help young people navigate their experience a lot healthier. And I also think too that that whole co- I think that when you talk about that whole stat about, or the whole um, law now that's being passed with the whole drunk drinking thing, I think that's kind of again reaching for a solution to the sexual assault, but that's not the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is that you have these young people who are getting thrown into this environment who are just ill prepared to deal with it, and then they're stressed out, and they're self medicating, and then they're missing their fam. I and mean, there's a lot going on that's not really being addressed before they go in. So I think that they're again they're grabbing. They got this one thing I heard where they're actually doing this whole everybody to sign a consent form before you know the uh, register for classes what is that going to do it's not changing behavior yeah. right
0: yeah well you know what uh, the, the funny thing about the consent form is i actually heard i don't know if this is true or not but then like people are saying that at some point they're going to want to have like written consent before people yes, have sex that, yeah that's can you imagine how yeah. like you're on a date with someone things going you good sign this paper, right but you know i hope it never gets that point right
1: mm-hmm. But again, here we go. We're not dealing with the issue. We're just reaching for things and just throwing the table to act like we're doing something to address the issue, but it's not addressing it. So again, the issue to me, and from my experience with working with young people and seeing the transition, you know, and helping them with that transition, is they need to be prepared socially and emotionally. Period. That's basically it, and they they're not.
0: I agree hundred percent. I'm so glad this is your like your way of thinking. Uh, because I am a 100% advocate of getting to that, you know, getting to that, the, the beginning and preventing the problem from happening in the first place. And exactly. Then try to cover it up with band aids.
1: Band aids, <laughs> exactly. I like that. And very like, non adhesive band aids. Like, they, they don't even stick very well. Okay. <laughs> like
0: so t- t- tell me about safety. Mm,
1: so, safety is about, again, so I talk about the alcohol experience. So, um, learning again so a lot of things as you know happen to young women on campus with alcohol and drugs you have people who slip drinks um slip uh slip uh, drugs and drinks and then you have um sexual violence so i talk about the first one of the tips i give is learn how learn how to have sober fun so again we have a climate and a culture that says everything has to be built around alcohol that's again part of media we go back to the beginning right the media that says you know alcohol is what makes everything better And it's like, no, not really. It doesn't have to be. But my point is, uh, the first step is learn how to have sober fun. And I think that climate and culture of having sober fun is like, well, what does that feel like and look like if I do it before I start getting caught up in the drinking and the alcohol and drugs? Um, So if that's something that you don't want to do you have an alternative you know you, there are people who you know who have been alcoholics who have choose to be sober who have to create a new reality for themselves because they don't do the alcohol and drugs anymore so that's number the tip, um, one of the tips in the safety piece, and also talk about sisterhood and how being um working work, working with women so again here's here we go again with that concept of women have to compete against each other and always fight and stay separate and uh like, no, don't compete, collaborate. How do we come together and say, well, all right, if I go to a party, we have a sister system and that we can kind of like look out for each other when we're in the space. and You're not just there by yourself, you know, amongst a whole lot of people, etc. cetera. So um, the safety piece is really kind of offering them, again, strategies to stay safer in an environment that is chaotic. I like that. Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank and, you know, these are things that we, I mean, unfortunately, we're not taught these things by our parents most of the time nowadays, you know, like I didn't grow up with, with parents that went through, I don't know if they went through any of these with me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's because it's not that they were bad parents. They're, they're they didn't know, they, they didn't know how to communicate it. it. Sure. They're busy. Sure. And a lot of people that grow up with single parents, sure. you know, it's sure. like, when, where are we supposed to learn this stuff? Sure. Through social media? <laughs>
1: Right, you're 100 right. That's exactly right. And I think also too, sometimes people don't have the language. Even they might want to say, "Say, hey, make sure you do X, Y, and Z, you go to college." Like parents don't really have the language to talk to their you know children about sex. Or if they haven't gone to college, they don't know the landscape to be able to say, "Hey, watch out for X, Y, and Z." So it, you're right. Like there is again a huge void with again young people being prepared to really transition from that you know boyhood to to, to manhood and then that girlhood to womanhood. And it, it is like a rite of passage. You know, college is a rites of passage for them. You know, for American youth, it's like you know, you go into this experience being a boy or being a girl, and then you come out as a young woman. You know what I mean? You have, to, and then you still maybe finding out who you are, but you come out as a person that is now supposed to be a lot more responsible for your life than you were before you went in. You know what I mean? And there again, there's no preparation emotionally mm-hmm. and socially for that transition.
0: So, do you think that college is still necessary? It's a good question. Social
1: question again. <laughs> You know, looking back on my I went to MYU. So I, I I looking back on my experience, I wouldn't have I would not have taken I, I would not change that for anything in the world. So I think it was important for me to go mm-hmm. when I went. I think if I was if it was today, I think so because I think it, it's 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 beyond just the education for me. It's really about the getting the navigating of, of of yourself, you know, amongst other peers who are trying to navigate themselves. And if they have some kind of um what do you call it, A, uh, you know, they're thinkers and, you know, talented people. You're in the same space with them and you're trying to figure it out. So I think for the social aspects, um, it really is necessary. Uh, in terms of the educational stuff, of course, you know, there's so much information out there in the world to know how to do certain things. You don't necessarily have to go for that. But I think socially, it really is a helpful transition to adulthood. Otherwise, it'll just be from high school to life. <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't, for a lot of people... Like, that could be difficult.
0: Yeah. You know, I, like, personally, I, I don't think, I, like, education-wise, I don't think I actually learned anything useful in college. Mm-hmm. But I did learn that, like, that responsibility of, mm-hmm. of adulthood mm-hmm. with kind of a crutch, right? Mm-hmm. Where I still had my circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Instead of having a job, mm-hmm. I just had classes to mm-hmm. go do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I lived on, like, student housing, so I lived on my own, but mm-hmm. I was still kind of taken care of. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was a good crutch, mm-hmm. you know? Part of me wants to say, like, you can, instead of going to college, you can take that money, you can travel, mm-hmm. you can, you know, read books on your own, you mm-hmm. can start a business, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and technically, mm-hmm. you would get more out of life mm-hmm. for that same amount of money. You get more life experience, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you probably learn more, you have more time to actually focus on what you want to do, and you find yourself. But at the same time, man, it'd be so, if I was 18, and I came to Thailand, woo! I'd be doing some crazy stuff, especially mm-hmm. if I didn't know these these seven S's. You know, eight S's. Mm-hmm. Eight S's. All right. I'd the be last like, one
1: is service. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And I I would probably just get drunk every night, at the full moon party, go crazy. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't practice safe sex. I probably wouldn't practice safety. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd probably completely just mess up my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's hard.
1: Yeah. So and I think I think that takes and also it takes a certain type of young person to be able to do that because again young people aren't prepared social and emotionally for a lot of things, for them to say, okay, now I'm leaving high school and going into life with fifty thousand, $100,000, $200,000 to do something. I mean, it's a special type of young person it would take to really kind of really pull that off because you're still, again, developing. You don't really know. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks, not everyone, but a lot of folks don't know who they are. So it's so much stuff that, so much inner development that has to happen for a young person to say, all right, well, here's $100,000 either take half of that and travel and take the other half and invest it into a business. And can you really manage that that needs to kind of be successful from here on out? Like that's a lot to manage. You know what I mean? So, I wonder yeah, I
0: wonder what the alternative is though, because you know, it's it's almost like it could be a lot to manage. There's, you know, you either stay at home, you know, or you can go travel or you can go to college. You know, there's not really like another yeah, alternative. Sure. You know, maybe that's what, what what's needed. You know, well,
1: you know, there are people who talk about gap years uh-huh. You know, who, if they don't necessarily go straight into college, but they have a gap year where they are able to travel, not necessarily from a standpoint of create a business or feel like figure out your whole life, but just take a moment to appreciate the various aspects of life around the globe and then come back and figure out what you want to do. So that's an option as well, the gap year concept.
0: And as much as, unless, as I think there's like a benefit to the gap year, I feel like if I went on a gap year, I would have just partied. You know, I think, like, for me personally, if I was going to redesign all of this, mm-hmm. what I would have done is I would have said, okay, I'm still going to go live on my own uh, so I can get at my parents' house, but I have to be around, like, a network of other people, right, so mm-hmm. I can kind of develop that, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's, I don't know, I have no idea. There's, no, there's, there's nothing out there, you know, like, mm-hmm. may, maybe going to, like, a trade school, you know, maybe that'll help, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but... I don't, yeah, I don't think there's like a solution right now. Like, I would say, you know it Like, ideally, if there was a solution, if I was going to just design something, it'd be like, okay, you know, you live somewhere with other people your age, and you would all kind of like work on a business together or something. You know, maybe like volunteer somewhere. That mm-hmm. that might be good. Mm-hmm. But and that, yeah. but you
1: also have apprenticeships too. Where you, you know, depending on yeah. what you want to do, you can actually spend a year or something like following or shadowing someone that makes sense.
0: But I think that apprenticeship would only work. If so, I think business-wise and like education-wise, that's great. But then what's lacking is that social aspect of, you know, being, um, you know, being with other people like colleges You know what I mean? All right. So to kind of wrap it up, because we're actually going to the uh, Nomad Coffee Meetup out here in Chiang Mai. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, find your books, where, where can they go?
1: So my website is phenomenally, p h e n o. M E N A L L Y okay. U.com, phenomenally. You.com. Um, and then my name is Lacey C. Clark, so You can just Google me and find my books. They're on both of them are on Amazon. And um, I'm on social media, but I'm getting stronger okay. <laughs> on social media. I'm not as strong as I want to be nice um, on social media, but that's my website, phenomenally. You.com.
0: Okay, I like it. Uh, I'll have links to all this in the show notes, episode. 112 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. And uh, yeah, I'll see everyone next week. Uh, Thanks for being on the show, Lacey. Thank you so much, Danny. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be
1: your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.